Welcome to the media ministry of Crossroads Church Aspen. To learn more about Crossroads, visit our website at ccaspen.com. We hope you enjoyed this message by Pastor Steve Woodrow. Be back for sure. Hope everybody had a good Thanksgiving. Ready for Christmas? It's here. It's coming. So uh, we're excited. We're going to be in the book of Philippians this month, kind of each week for the next four weeks in December. We're going to be in in one. There's four chapters in Philippians. We're going to hit each chapter each week and get through this book and talk about joy this month, though. We're going to look at good news always. And uh, obviously with everything going on, and that has going on, still going on, we need to focus on the good news, and that's what this season um, is all about. But that's what it's always about, not just this season. Um, I know that it's uh, I probably, I think just as I look at uh, everything, it's the most confusing time I can remember um, going through ever, or at least in, in my life, and, and uh, I think in probably the history of our nation, maybe the world uh, to some extent. It's not a world war or anything like that, but... This, is, this doesn't have a clear front-line battle with it. This is a, 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 you know, a moving target, so it, it presents, in some ways, a lot more confusing um, uh, issues for us to deal with. But this is what I do know. I do know that Jesus is real and that he is the way, he's the truth, and he is the life, right? And, uh, and that, that we, it's he who we, we set our eyes on him, right? And we lift up him and we lean into him. And that's what should be happening um, in the church today is a refocusing. And there's all kinds of a shakeup going on uh, in, in this time. And uh, it, it's really, in some ways, a back to basics. After the first of the year, we're going to maybe kind of turn back to the basics in the sense of what is, what is the gospel? What does it mean to be a Christ follower? What is this... this world-transforming message, right, that uh, Jesus came to give and what he calls us into. Um, but this month, we're going to look at this issue, as Dirk said, we're going to look at joy. Um, folks, unless we deal with the real issue of joylessness, um, uh, boy, we're, we're not going to lay hold of, of the life, the eternal life that Jesus promises us, Right? Um, and I, I can speak for myself, there, there, there is a real issue of joylessness that we need to be in tune with in our soul. And we need to, obviously, church should be a place of grace. It should be an open uh, place. We have, uh, obviously, not just Sunday mornings, but uh, we have community groups, discipleship groups, microchurches. We, we're, we want to help everyone get involved in a smaller avenue as well to come alongside each other and encourage you to be able to have a place to share and just to be honest, right, with where we're at, what's, what's going on. And because every one of us, nobody lives in, in, in pure joy all the time, right? I've known very few, right? Some people have more of an up personality, but that doesn't mean they're experiencing joy. And um, this, this is an issue that only God can do. Joy, happiness, we can do some things. Joy, it's from the Spirit of God. And we need to uh, take him at his promise. And so this series, um, I want us to focus on, on uh, this promise of Jesus. And maybe just take this for this season and just take some time to meditate on this, this uh, promise. This is John 15, and Jesus has been talking about the vine and the branches, about abiding in him. And he will bring the, the blessed life. He'll bring the fruit in your life. And he says this to the disciples. He says, these things I've spoken to you that my joy would be in you. 
Right? This is a supernatural transfer. This is not just being happy or peppy or, or just feeling good about life. This is a radical transfer of the living life of God into your soul, into my soul, right? To bring the very life of God, the joy of God, the joy of Jesus into our life. And that, um, that joy may be full. It may be overflowing. That's our Lord's desire, for us. Now, just a couple quick things here because maybe in your mind, and I just throw this question out. I don't think I did the, the first service, but um, do you think of, when you think of God, do you think of joy? When you think of Jesus, when you think of God, do you think of joy? See, for a lot of people, they don't. They don't think of God as being joyful. And so when Jesus promises my joy in you, Right? We, we need to think about who God is and, and what Jesus has done. Right? And, and joy to the world. The Lord is come. Jesus come right from perfect heaven to this fallen world to come after our souls. Right? To redeem us. To bring us into eternal life. Right? Even in the midst of all of our failings and, and runnings from him. Joy is at the very essence of who God is. And it, it, like I said, it's a fruit of the spirit. Love, joy, peace. Love is at the center. That peace is at the center. Shalom is at the, the very center of the very character of who God is. And, and part of this journey is a restoration of getting our eyes, having a right view of who God is, especially in the times we're in right now, right? There's all kinds of discussions that we should be having that people are raising about the character of God. Is he good? Does he have good intention? And, and Christmas time is that, is that final say, is that not in his, he's beyond good. He's beyond loving. All those things at the very essence of who he is. And, and any kind of love, any kind of peace, any kind of touches of joy of these things that we experience in this life, those are just indicators. Those are to be pointers in our life to, wait, there's something right, better out there. There's something I'm being called to. There's something greater right, that is pulling me. Right? And, and again, Romans 1 says we all should look right unto this world, unto God, and to seek him out. So God is, is from the very essence of his character, it's joy. And folks, I, I just read about heaven, right? What God is calling us into, into the fellowship, the communion with God and all the saints and the family of God is, is joy characterizes that. And it says when one sinner repents when one sinner comes right to the into the kingdom what does it say heaven breaks out what in joyful celebration right it is a place of joy and i think unfortunately for many they were locked in some very kind of god on the judgment seat type of of view of god and we don't ever really meditate enough to get a hand our hand our arms around the idea god is a god of joy right a joy and so this morning we're going to be in uh, philippians chapter one and um, we're going to, oh, I went the wrong way. Go back. We're going to look at this idea of the joy of community. And, um, and just, uh, again, I'm going to just throw some things out. I got four. We're going to read this, get into it, pull out four things for us to think about on this idea as we, we take this month to really dive in and try to get our arms around joy. Um, and, and this connection between joy and community. And can you have joy without community? And can you have community without joy? 
And what I would show you is just if you look in the scriptures, you, you, you see these intimately connected. You don't see one without the other. We see Jesus, right? And it says, for the joy set before him, right? He went to the cross. And then what was that joy set before him? That joy was, was coming back into the fellowship of the communion he had with Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And what bringing us, bringing a family, the, the celebration. Remember he, the very last thing he said at the, at the Lord's Supper, I will not eat of this blessed meal of this celebration again until I celebrate celebrate with you in the kingdom, right? The joy of the Lord. He rejoices and looks forward to um, us gathering with us, right, at the end of, of time when he comes and restores all things. And so, uh, and the idea of community without joy. I mean, uh, what kind of community is that if you don't have joy, right? I mean, you can have some kind of happiness. We have some superficial ideas of community. It's a word we throw around today. Um, but, but it's temporal and it's very superficial for the most part because it's man-created community. Of, it, it's touching on a universal thing because we're made in the image of God. We all desire community, right? But until we find him, until the source of joy, until the source of, of why we all desire community, that's because we're made in the image of a God who lives in perfect community, in perfect joy, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so I want us just to look and break down this morning this idea of joy and community uh, and the importance of that. And folks, obviously, during these times we're in, this idea of community and gathering and being with one another is being challenged. But I think what's happening, I think, well, I don't think, I know one of the things God is doing is he's using this time to wake up his church to realize, hey, this, don't take for granted the, the blessing of gathering together. And, and we need to wake up and realize how, how important and essential and necessary it is to gather together in bigger groups of worship and obviously smaller churches, smaller uh, gatherings in, in our homes and everything to rejoice in the Lord and to help one another's hearts get joy filled and to see that transformation. Um, and again, like I said, we're going to look at this a little bit more. But folks, if, 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 if I, I, we need to be in tune with our soul. We need to be in tune with our emotions and, and, and an honest assessment of where are we at when we look at the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience. Do we really understand something of the joy of the Lord? Do, do, have we had an experience of that? Do you know, have you a taste of that? Do you know what that is? Do you don't even know what, what it is that God has for you? What to, what to experience? And there is nothing wrong. We all need to be in that place of, of um, <clears throat> openness and honesty in a place of grace to be able to say, I, I am struggling with that. Help me. Pray with me. Let's go after this. Let's look at scripture together and, and let's expect God to really to bring about a transformation of joy, right? That we might experience in... Um, uh, it, it is a battle. It's a battle of the mind. It is a spiritual battle to lay hold of these things, to lay hold of the life that God promises for us. So with that said, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to read Philippians chapter 1. As I said in the first service, this is going to be a challenge for um, all of us uh, to stay focused on a, a longer set of verses. But it, it, each week I'm going to read a different chapter. This is something that 
that we need to recover in, in many ways, but is to hear the word of God. Obviously, Derek is leading us in, and we, we as a leadership are gonna all uh, encourage us all to do the daily audio Bible so we can go through the Bible together, something we can do together through this next year in 2021, and that way we'll all have been listening to the same passages and have a context to share with each other. It'll be an amazing journey, right, together. So we need to train ourselves to be able to listen uh, to the Word of God, and, and, and not just a little, you know, little section here and there, but larger sections as well. So let's just trust. Lord, help us. This is your Word. Speak to us now. This is Philippians chapter 1. little background before I do read it is just pay attention to Paul's heart. Pay attention to Paul's joy. He's writing this from being in shackles. He's in prison in Rome. And, and just lay hold of the joy of the, of the passion he has for the community of the church in Philippi that he helped plant. And uh, just this intimate connection of relationship he had with, uh, with that church as we read this. Paul and Timothy, servants, bond servants of Christ Jesus to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers, the elders, and the deacons. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm sure of this, and he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace. But in my imprisonment and in the defense, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and the confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it um, has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. In other words, Jesus in, or uh, Paul was in prison in Rome under Caesar's imprisonment. But what Paul wanted to make clear and what was gone throughout the whole, in other words, Paul was witnessing, even shackled among the whole guard there, the imperial guard in Rome, that he wasn't just a prisoner of Caesar, but he was a prisoner of Jesus. He was there for the sake and for the cause of Christ. And that that imprisonment was having huge fruit taking place, even with the guards of, of Caesar, right? In the goodness of the grace of God. Verse 14, and most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not um, sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, 
and in that I rejoice. So Paul's saying there's some out there preaching Jesus with um, ambitious, with wrong motives, right? And, and though no matter what those motives were, whether they were trying to, uh, to take more, more uh, acclaim than Paul or were criticizing him for being put in prison and on and on, whatever the issue may be, Paul's, look at Paul's stance on this. Is, and I know many of us might be critical of, of whether there's preachers on TV or whatever it is, but what is Paul's perspective is he rejoices is that Christ is being proclaimed. Whether that God will deal with that person's motive, but he rejoices the name is being lifted up. The name, right, is the gospel is being proclaimed. Yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will um, not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. To die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which shall I choose? I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Only let this manner, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents this is a clear sign to them of their destruction but of your salvation and that from God for it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him but also suffer for his sake engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now here that I still have. The Word of God. Do you notice just how incredibly intimate Paul's language, I think many have said this is his most intimate language that he gives, right, to a church. Uh, because many of his other letters are, are given to the church and because he's having to deal with conflict or he's having to correct them or, or, or whatever it is. But here you see that there's just this ongoing partnership and fellowship. Their financial support of Paul, remember he's in prison? And back then, you know, you weren't given like daily meals. You weren't, didn't have TV. You didn't have a gym to work out or any of those kind of things. Is You were thrown in prison, and it was up to your family and friends to care for you. If you didn't have family and friends, you died in prison. And so it was up to, they, this church sent Epaphrodite, sent some friends, sent some money. And to, um, when, it, when you read in the scripture and it says, such and such was there caring for Paul in prison or others in prison. And Hebrews says to the church, church, take care of the ones who are in prison. It's not talking about just anybody. The priority there is those of the, of the, um, who are in prison because of the faith is go care for them. Because if nobody brings them a meal, they're going to die. Is they need to be cared for. And, uh, and so Paul he's, he's, has this intimate relationship with this church in, in Philippi, and there's this great ongoing partnership. Um, and it just sparks, this is the, the book of joy. It sparks in, in, uh, in Paul this great joy. Uh, he speaks of joy in this book more than right, any of the other um, books. 
And so just four um, things here, this idea of joy, the joy of community. As we go on this little journey of trying to really peel back some layers over our own soul and to really explore, boy, am I experiencing the joy of the Lord? What does that even mean? And how do I do that? And, and what does it mean to be joyful, right, in, in the Lord? Because the reality is, folks, is church should be the most joyful place on earth. When the body of believers gather together, it should be the most joyful place on earth. That is Jesus' intent, right? He says he's here in a special way. He say he wants to put his joy in us, and he wants it to overflow, right? And uh, so, boy, I, I think we have to do some real introspection, and even we look back, and, and I, I know just even over the break, just talking to some, some young folks, you know, and, and uh, you know, who say the church is boring, Church should never be boring, right? It, it should be the most joyful place on earth, right? And um, that requires, though, it's a fight. We've got to go after this. We have to, right, really explore how to uh, attain this fruit of the Spirit that is promised to us if we walk in the Spirit and we pursue um, Jesus. He, it's a promise He has for us, right? So four things. How do we uh, kind of start going and exploring this? and seeing joy take hold in our life, little touches of it. Joy is intimately connected to how we see ourselves and how God sees us. Let's start there. Joy is intimately connected to how we see ourselves and how God sees us. It starts with identity. And uh, the reality is if I'm not sure, if I'm not sure about how God sees me, and if I'm not sure, if I'm not sure about that, then how I see myself is going to be tainted completely by what? The world and my peers or whatever it is that's influencing me. And if I am not sure about who I am, and in other words, how God uniquely created me, he created me in his image, he's the only one who knows who I am ultimately, and if I'm not getting that, if I'm not sure, if I'm not growing and understanding that, then joy is evasive. It is not possible to live in the joy of God. It begins with identity, understanding how God sees me. And, uh, and, and it, it also is developed that way because, let's face it, we all are in constant need and growth of having to need, be affirmed in how God sees us, how he loves us. What does he have for us? What is his purpose for us, right? And this is what we should be doing with each other. We should be affirming on a regular basis how God, and this is the beauty of, of, of prophecy or just general encouragement, right, which each other is, is calling what God sees upon each other. And building each other up in, in, those, in those things. In verse 1 says, Paul and Timothy, servants, bond servants of Christ Jesus to all the saints in Christ. Two things to think about here, servants and saints. Servants and saints. Is that God sees you as a saint. And there's this whole battle of, of you know, is it sinners, is it saints? No. And the reality is we don't ever see Paul address something, hey, Philippians, hey, um, to you sinners. We don't see that. We see hagios, to the saints in Aspen. Means the called out ones, the ones who've been called out of the world into intimate fellowship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Means the ones who've been called into relationship with Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, filled with the Holy Spirit. You are a saint in God's eyes. 
covered with the righteousness of Christ. Yes, we still sin and we still struggle and, and we need a spirit right to help form us and move out of that, but how God sees you is as a saint. Now, folks, this, we've got a lot of work to do with that issue alone, right? Is being able to really encourage each other. And, and folks, this is how community should work, is when we engage each other, we should be calling out. We should be, you know, if I say something is a lie about myself, about how others see me or think, is that for you to love me, you would say, whoa, Steve, wait a minute now, that's, let's just deal with that lie right there. Let's, that's not how God sees you. This should be parenting one-on-one constantly, right, stopping the lie and addressing and pouring over the child. No, this is how God sees you, right? Loved and cherished and affirmed and gifted and God has a purpose, he has a plan and, <clears throat> and he has joy for you, right? So if anybody just says, well, I'm just, this is the way I am, I'm just never gonna maybe be stuck in this place of depression or whatever it is, is how do we love each other? We could stop right there. No, that is, that is, that is a lie. That is not what God has for you, right? He has joy for you. So let's press into this and let's set our minds, right, on, on those things and make sure that we're seeing ourselves as God sees us. And the reality is that we can't see ourselves as God sees us unless what? Unless we're in the word and us, unless we're in a community that's based in the word of God, right? Because when we get out there, right, we're just pounded relentlessly, right, with things that are not of God. Things that are trying to impress upon you something that you're not, that is not going to lead you into a place of abundant life, that is going to form you into something much different, right? And so it begins right here. How does joy fit into this? Again, if I'm not growing in the understanding of how God sees me, right, then you know what? I'm in charge of my emotions. My flesh, my mental state is, guess what? I'm, I'm, I'm in the control seat. I'm controlling it. And I'm letting the world around me, my peers and media or whatever it is, I'm letting those things control me rather than letting God, right, form how I see myself, right? And um, this is just critical foundational stuff when it comes to setting up our soul, right, for God to infuse what he has for us. And, and this is such a big principle, right, for the spiritual life and for the gospel is until I give God, right, the, the place, until I really see him as Lord, right, that's Christianity, meaning Jesus, you're Lord, that means that, is that I'm a bond servant to you, mean that I serve you, Jesus, and, and to change our entire understanding of who we are, our position before him is, I'm your servant, Jesus, so tell me what to do. Rather than today, unfortunately, in the church, the authority of the, of the idea of the lordship of Jesus is vague. It's is we're asking God to come and adjust according to our plans and, and our agendas. And that is not Christianity. That's not following Jesus. That's not uh, being a bondservant of Jesus, right? And until we get this context right, you know what? We don't give, um, uh, we can't birth in the fullness of what God has for us, especially the fruit of the Spirit, Right, to understand, Lord, you're the Lord. Right, you're the Lord. And if I have a question about anything, I first go to the Lord and I ask him. And I, I, I come to the word of God. I come to the people of God and the community of the word of God. Because you know what? I, 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 is, most of us are not theologians and, and we need, right, is healthy orthodox belief is carried out in community. 
It's not dependent on one voice. And I say this all the time. If you only read one author, if you only read modern stuff, is start reading broadly, right? Is that we need to hear the vastest and read people from different cultures, different countries, whatever it may be. Uh, Read different streams. Read stuff that makes you feel uncomfortable. Read stuff you don't agree with. Because it's going to help form, right? And, and help you think about the Word of God in a broader sense. We need to engage, and community is absolutely key. Where the Word of God, is, where there's a lordship sense, um, to understand this. Man, right? The blessings of God. Identity gets birthed. And when identity, we get start to walk in understanding how God sees us, guess what? The promise, Jesus starts pouring out that identity in us. And part of that is the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy. Because we're a vessel now, ready for the character of God, for God to do those things right within us. So, um, second one. Joy is intimately connected to fellowship and gospel partnership. We see all through here, he rejoices in the Philippians' uh, partnership. That word also means fellowship. In, uh, and that partnership is this common united purpose. We're, we're in this together. And, and a healthy community right, has a common cause. Right? It's common suffering. It's common, common cause. Uh, and there's no greater cause right, than the gospel itself, than the great commission that is given to the church. To lock arms, to know that we are serving for the kingdom of God, something that has eternal fruit, and that we're the family of God, and there's an eternity ahead of us being together in the joy of the Lord, in the presence of the Lord. And uh, this is what Paul's rejoicing in and thanking them for their contribution and their service and, and, and those kind of things. And uh, I, I would just uh, point out a couple of things in applying this, uh, things that are joy-giving is, is, is partnership, is serving, right? Is, is being on mission, right, together. Uh, and we just know this. How are friendships formed? The best friendships, lifelong friendships are formed in the midst of common cause, even more so if it's gospel cause and the mission of, of Christ is those are the deepest, most intimate relationships that we can have, right? For true relationship, there needs to be a common mission. When it comes to marriage, if marriage doesn't have a kindred spirit among husband and wife and a common vision and mission there, something radically is going to be missing. And that is one of the huge causes that's missing today, right? It's not just emotion and love and being in love. There must be a greater cause, right, to come together in mission as husband and wife, to be one, to have a family, to be on mission, to be part of something bigger than yourself, which is the family of God that God is building around the world, right? And um, we have the privilege, uh, this, when I was gone, I had the privilege to be down with uh, <clears throat> a new church plant, birthed out of some of our seasonal people from Houston down there. It's, it's really cool what's going on. And it's so encouraging, right, to be in other churches and to see what God is doing. Right? You all had the chance last Sunday. Brent was here to preach, right? And Brent left here. He planted sandbox. It's multiplying uh, down there. It's so encouraging to hear what is going on right down there. Uh, the week before, you got to hear from Cameron. You got to hear from right, this, this budding, wonderful teaching gift, right? This taking place right locally, right, in your church. The gifts of God being fanned into flame, right? We're in partnership with a church in Glenwood with uh, one starting up in Denver, right? We have Rick and Colleen in, in, in Asia. We have the Nebers out there as well. And, and to hear what God is doing in a foreign global way, it increases joy. And I would just encourage you, when you travel on vacation, plan to go to church. 
Go to church and be encouraged by what God is doing in different places and cultures around. The, and you'll be amazed at what God does in the midst of that. It increases joy. And I always love meeting the people who maybe they have a week or so to come and to vacation in Aspen. And they take time out of their vacation to come and to worship God with our church family here. Wow, that encourages my soul. Right? And, and, you all, and I, I get the benefit to hear throughout the week these testimonies of these people who stepped in and they've made connections and ongoing. It increases joy because it's an encouragement to see, wow, God is at work in all these different avenues around the world, different cities. And guess what? Is that we're a part of something larger than just the local church here in Aspen. Right? This joy. And for Paul, that partnership in the gospel ministry, it was joy-giving. It was joy-giving, right? Third one. Joy is intimately connected to our thinking, which directly impacts our emotions. Now, this is a really important thing. I'm just going to scratch the surface, but I want us to understand. I just want to take you first to verse 7, and he says, It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and the confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. This word here, when it says, um, it is right for me to feel this way about you, to have these feelings, right, is the same word used over and over again in Philippians for my mind, to have one mind among you. And here's the deal. How a person thinks is going to determine their behavior. And today, unfortunately, our culture has separated out all of this and we have elevated feelings, right, above our, our thinking and have disconnected these things. And, and we see the joy is birthed, right, ultimately from the battle of the mind. It begins as a thinking process. How I think will determine, again, how I behave. And, and so this, this idea of emotion and feeling is the question comes back to the lordship issue of, man, am I bringing my thinking to the scripture? Am I getting right thinking from my Lord so that I position my soul to have right feelings? The fruit of the spirit. Does that make sense, gang? And this is so critical for us to understand. So if I'm dealing with an emotional problem, how am I going to fix that emotional problem? My thinking needs to change. I need to step back and have a transformational experience with the Holy Spirit and the Word of God when it comes to how I think. And that might take a while. And here is how we minister to each other uh, on these issues if we're struggling with, let's say, joylessness or I'm struggling with just go down a thousand different things is, is we engage each other with our thinking because my thinking is going to transform my emotions Right? And when I, my thinking gets lined up with biblical thinking is that, man, the flow of that, I present my temple now right, with the truth of God, which is my mind, my, body, my mind, my emotion, my will are intimately connected here around my heart, is that I give God something to, to use to start his renovation work of bringing about love and joy and peace, the character of God inside my soul. The problem today is in the church is that our thinking is not being formed by the word of God. Our care, especially young, among our, our young people, but this is such a massive issue. 
that we need to restore our thinking, how we think about things is being formed by what? By social context, social media, everything else, not by the word of God. Hence, why do we have the statistics that we have of emotional trauma taking place and and on the rise, by the way, which we should be looking broadly at the problems um, today, is, uh, man, it's because we got some wrong thinking. And we need to help each other. This is discipleship. Jesus, what he did with the disciples was, come follow me. Let me transform your mind in how you think, right, about God and how he thinks about you. And the flow of that thinking is going to be this transformation of my emotions. And folks, this is just like worship. Some people say, well, I just kind of sing in songs. That's kind of fun. It kind of makes me feel good maybe or however they want to say it. But, you know, I'm just kind of stoic. I'm just kind of getting through that maybe to get to the message or whatever, right? Worship. That means my mind hasn't been transformed by the glory of who God is. When that happens, when my mind's transformed by, wow, how I see God, guess what? It positions my heart to what, what Paul does. Rejoice in the Lord always. To rejoice in him and, and worship is rejoicing in the Lord. And, and as I said, that word means we're rejoying ourselves. When we come to church, we should be rejoying because we need, right? We get out there, we, we kind of, that joy kind of seeps out, doesn't it? Real quick. We need to rejoice. We need to be filled again. The Spirit of God. And, and, and this is part of, of what worship is and rejoicing, right, in Him. I, um, over the holidays, we uh, <clears throat> get to all gather, with, and, and we had all of our kids, which is such a, a blessing. And uh, <clears throat> my sister and her husband and kids, and, um, and they're all roughly the same age. And, um, and I see it happens, it's happened every year, and, and it's such a, a beautiful thing, is we have fun and craziness and everything, but then there's that time in the few days we have together where, where things shift, and I try not to kind of be the one who, who kind of does this, you know, because here's the pastor, he's doing his thing, but, um, but it's just cool, I jump on it, as soon as I see the conversation go, start to a deeper level of thinking about deep issues, I'm there and trying to fan it into flame. And sure enough, it hit about, I don't know what, I, it might be on Thanksgiving afternoon. And, um, and then there was tears, there was intensity, there was disappointment, there was, and we got into this incredible conversation just about culture, the state of the church, and, and, and trying to find the right church, and, and friends that are falling away, and all this deep, just heavy stuff. And, and um, man, what did it do? And the tears, and so it took our fun, it took our great fan, you know, fellowship, and it just took things to a whole deeper level so that the context there of the engagement of our love and our concern and our prayer for each other went to a whole nother level. Does that make sense, gang? So when we gather, in other words, and this is whether it's on our smaller groups or when you're having your Christmas parties, just pray, Lord, let's go, right? To a, let's be an avenue of, let's, let's, let's go to a deeper level and, and, and let's get our thinking right about things, right? And, and because in that, Lord, we're trying to line our thinking up with your truth, truth, right? He is the truth, right? And we sung that, right? He brings grace and truth. And, um, and when we do that, we line our, our, our minds up with grace and truth. Guess what? Is God's, the Spirit of God is there. He fans that into flame, and he brings the character of God into that moment. The love, the joy, the peace, the things that he promises to overflow, right? 
in the context of our what? Our community. As we're setting our minds on the truth of God and spurring each other on, right? And, 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 and weeping with each other, right? Diving in deeply to each other's struggles, right? And but calling on God's promises, right? And, and getting our thinking right so that God, right, Spirit can come and, and do great things. Last one. Joy is intimately connected to how we view life and death, right? Some of the most beautiful, powerful, lang- challenging language for Paul. He says, look, I want to honor God with my death, with my body, whether it's by death or life. I want to honor him with everything. Remember, God redeemed your entire being. Your body is not your own. If Jesus is your Lord, guess what? Your body is his. This is what 1 Corinthians 6 says. This needs to be completely restored in the American church today because this is off the radar screen, right? Salvations, he redeemed your entire being. And your physical body is no longer yours if you follow Jesus. It's his to honor him and do what he says, right? And it's in that context that this temple of the Holy Spirit, God can come and dwell and do his, reforma- do his great work, right, right within us uh, in this context. And, uh, and so for Paul, he, he just says, man, my desire is to depart and to be with Christ. That's far better. I don't know about you, that's there's some challenge. To live as Christ, to die as gain, he says. That's some of the most challenging. I just like, Lord, I say yes to that, but man, am I there? Do I really think departing, dying is, is better to be with my Lord? Um, it really challenging, isn't it, when it comes to, boy, how, how intimate do I know my Lord and, and do I desire to be with him? And so a couple things on this. Just throw out some kind of big questions. Be careful with these questions. Is life worth living without joy? Man. I think way too many of us in the church have, have just bought into just a, a get by. Uh, I hear that thing, yes, and we don't really, we're not really willing to go there. I'm not really willing to go to that dark place in my soul where, you know, I, I, I really, I'm really not joyful. I really haven't felt that, the joy and the peace of the Lord. I know, here's the promise, but I have to say, I, I have to be honest that this is, this is not it. And what we do is we just make excuses and we just kind of do religious stuff and we just carry on in life. And the problem is then we don't ever get transformed. We never have that crisis of faith where the Spirit of God comes and does something radical, right? Where we have the testimony of Him changing us, right? Until I'm willing to peel it back and say, wow, Lord, I need to be honest. This is how I'm feeling. And my feelings and my emotions are not lining up with the fruit of the Spirit. I need to be honest here. right? And this is, again, how we love each other and step into each other's lives on, on on this journey. And the thing of joy, folks, is that, you know, there's all kinds of joy killers out there. Death is the ultimate joy killer, right? It's the ultimate joy killer. And the bottom line is that joy is going to, or death is going to defeat our joy unless we know a greater power than death. So if you know Jesus, you know the Holy Spirit, and you know that death was conquered, and therefore, now joy and this is why the difference between joy and happiness. Happiness, people, you, we, we live in a town of very happy, at least seems on the outside, people who, who go do amazing things and, and party it up and everything. But the reality is if they don't know 
right, something that's greater than the power of death, guess what? That happiness can never be joy. Can never be joy. And within the church, though, I cannot really be joyful unless I know, right? Unless I know Jesus, the one who is greater than death, has conquered that. Therefore, I now have the capacity to have joy residing in my soul, right? Derek, y'all, come on up here. Um, so just hope you'll, you'll think on that. Let's, let's go after this. And I would just, in conclusions, you know, say this is that... Um, this is what we need to be doing with each other when we gather together is really um, paying attention to each other's soul. Get below the surface when we can. Um, and I, I shouldn't have to say this, but just um, I know that kind of our ministry time of kind of praying for each other is, has been a little bit thrown up in the air with this whole COVID thing. But, uh, but I just want to say from, from my standpoint, I know the ministry team's standpoint is that um, this team, our leadership is... is always available, always available, whether it's here, whether it's in a hospital, whether it's in a home, whether, no matter where it is, to go by faith and to pray and expect God to do something great. See, I just, just want to make that known, right? That's what the church does, right? That's what, the, regardless of what's going on out there in the midst of enemies far worse than COVID, right? The church steps into that, right? with the love of God and calling upon God to do something great. So I just want that. But you see, we all, when we gather, we should all be willing to pray for each other. You know, and, and so I, I, just, I just pray as you come to church, the context of us would change in the sense that we, we linger. We linger here to see if we could actually pray or encourage somebody. Or we linger here if, man, I do not hesitate to ask for encouragement and, and prayer. Um, when we, when we gather here, okay? So Father, we just rejoice in Jesus. We lift him up. We make much of him in this place. Lord, let us be a, a church that's joyful, Lord. Let us be a people, Lord, that are, are vessels, Lord, that are ready to just have a joy explosion go off, Lord. Father, I pray if, for anyone in here, Lord, I, I think I can speak for myself and probably all of us, Lord, that we're struggling, Lord, with this joy thing right now. And Holy Spirit, come. Do what only you can do. Show us how to minister to each other, how to love each other, how to get below the surface. May this Christmas time and our, our gatherings, however small they are, whatever they are, let them be joy-filled. And Lord, let them be filled with great conversation as we spur each other on, Lord, to love joy in you, Lord. Father, we love you. Holy Spirit, come now. Just be with us. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this message. To hear other messages or learn more about Crossroads Church, visit our website at ccaspen.com.